0: Not all those who wander are lost, J.R. Tolkien. Welcome to Aegis Travel Adventures. We are Ken
1: and Giselle. We have been to over 100 countries and are still looking to see what is around the next corner. We love wine,
0: travel, and adventure. Listen to our podcast where we share the fun of the magical places, people, and cultures that have touched our lives. Aegis. Hey Hillary. Travel. Travel. Adventures. Welcome to Ageless Travel Adventures. This is Ken.
1: And good morning. This is Giselle.
0: Today we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, one of our recent trips to a country called Namibia. And When we talk to our friends, often they just kind of look at us and they go, where's that? Well, it's next to the country of South Africa, and it's west uh, of South Africa on the Atlantic Ocean. It is the driest country in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. It's extremely large, um, and it has only 2.5 million people. So it's, it's pretty, pretty sparsely populated. Uh, it's largely deserty, um, and, and a lot of cities are on the ocean side. It gained its independence in 1990 from South Africa. Uh, Interesting history. Originally, it was a colony called German Southwest Africa. And over the years, there had been lots of independence movements and so on. So anyway, let's talk about uh, the beautiful part of the country, which is uh, its game preserves. It has many of them. Um, We flew from Cape Town, to the capital of Namibia, Windhoek, <clears throat> and it is its largest city by far and uh, and it was interesting but not not particularly uh, amazing we
1: we booked the flights again this is before we left if you had listened to our other podcasts we were already going to be in south africa so we had some time and this is a place we both had always kind of thought looked like fun to go so we booked a tour with um g adventures uh, which is used to be called gap adventures we had used them um one time before when we did mount everest uh, which one day we'll do another podcast it, about that
0: it was joint a joint tour with National Geographic
1: which means it was a small <clears throat> tour uh, no more than I think we had 12 15 people 12, 12 people and um, it was uh, National Geographic sets the criteria of what they what they intend what they intend for you to see so we had a, our, our guide um, who did an amazing job but um, we'll start with yeah we landed so, in the airport Well we
0: flew on an airline we'd never heard of Airlink and it was interesting. Because we knew nothing about the airlines uh in the southern part of africa um so we went a day early and uh <clears throat> the g adventures had a hotel and it was actually the country club uh at Windhoek, and uh and it was a country club but you know as dry well, the, as it the, is very
1: sad casino in it <laughs> yeah very
0: sad casino and uh, and the property was pretty it had a nice swimming pool and in a, a, a nice restaurant and it was it was well kept up so we went a day early flew an Airlink. it was a jet it took us uh i think a little over an hour um, um it was it was easy it was quick it was efficient and uh and
1: they served you wine on the like it was like mm-hmm. an 11 o'clock flight I immediately sat down and go hello would you like some wine i'm like this is now my favorite airline ever
0: <laughs> so we ended up flying Airlink twice uh to and from um South Africa, and, um, and it was good. So, um, so our first stop uh, was Windhoek, but then we got our uh, information in the evening from our guide, and in the morning we jumped in a, eh, I'd say, smallish bus, 20-some people, yeah. so there was extra seats, or coach, <clears throat> and uh, we had a driver, and off we went. And, um, Hardy was our guide's name or Hardesty, and he had lived in South Africa most of his life. He's an amazing guide. Uh, he knows sort of everything about everything in that area.
1: Well, the night before we left, well, actually two things on the, when we arrived, we had a gentleman pick us up and we're driving on the road and we had been in South Africa and, um, We had seen baboons, and so we're like, okay, that's kind of cool. But all of a sudden on the road, there is, I mean, not just one or two, there is a bunch of baboons on the side of the road. And we're like, oh, my God, baboons. The guy's like, yeah, they're really annoying because they jump in front of cars, and you'll see dead dead baboons on the road. He goes, they're not sometimes so smart. And we were like enthralled. and Like, can we stop and take a picture? He's like, no, we don't stop to take pictures of baboons. (laughs) So we didn't. Um, but the night before we left, we did go out to dinner with our, our group, and we went to a cute little pizza place and had, um, I think, we had our first experience with game meat. Yep. So, well, Ken did. I did, and I had a pizza. Uh, so we, we had, Ken had crocodiles, springbok, oryx. Oryx. Co- Kudu. 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 And zebra.
0: And, you know, people go, oh, my God, they're, you're killing the animals that, you know. They all come. All this meat comes from game reserves that are privately owned, and um, it's managed and it's plentiful. And none of these animals are endangered. So the crocodile was not very good for it me. It's like but, chicken. No, nah, it was a little <laughs> gamey, I thought. But but you know, eating one of the. Uh, you know, top predators in the world eating them back. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. So.
1: <laughs> so we started on the trip, and um, we had a nice group of people. Uh, several, uh, several of the people, almost everybody, I think, with the exception of us, had been on an, a previous trip with G Adventures, and so this was a the continuation of that trip. We were on a, the second leg of it, so they all knew each other. But everybody was was very cordial, and we had a nice time. A couple ladies from. Uh, uh, United Kingdom were there, and a couple Americans, and things like that. So we had a nice time. Uh, one young woman, we had one mom, and she had, a, I think, a 15-year-old daughter. So but, young,
0: um, young lady uh, was from Ireland. She was very Irish.
1: Yeah, so we learned so, a lot of things yeah. about Ireland. Yes. But anyway, so we started the trip, and we had a lovely time, and the bus is One thing about Nibia is the roads are probably one of the worst roads in the world. So if you think you have roads with potholes, just go to Nibia, because potholes... Our potholes are not their potholes. Their potholes are, are huge.
0: <laughs> well, interestingly enough, as huge as the country is, there's lots of roads. The majority of them are gravel. Only 3% of the roads are paved. And those gravel roads, although it doesn't rain a lot, uh, just it becomes ruddy. So washboard-like, and you go down the road, and all of a sudden the whole thing just starts shaking, and the window's rattling, and it's... Your teeth jar, it's interesting. It's, and the
1: bus was comfortable, but it was, it was still, you get the, what is it called, South African massage or Nibian yep. massage. Yep. So we, we did all that, and we, we um, the road was fine, and we ended up at a, a lovely um, a little place. That was our first time we stayed in a, quote, safari hut. It was basically, it's a yurt, that's a permanent yurt. Uh, so we stayed there, and that and it was a really pretty place out in the middle of the desert. And It's one thing about Nibia, the... The scenery is um, so stark that it's just gorgeous, the, 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 the red clay of the sand, and it's not what you think of typical of Africa, at least what I always imagine, but um, it was looked like the deserts is what you at least, I thought it was, and it was really pretty so um we we did that and then we also discovered one of our favorite wineries in Stellenbosch um excuse me in Windhoek the winery was Stellenbosch wine and bistro
0: yeah Stellenbosch was a winery we went to in Cape Town but they had opened a a wine shop in Windhoek and a restaurant so it's the number one restaurant in Windhoek and it's simply called Stellenbosch wine and bistro and the wine was amazing so the day we went a day early I know we're backtracking here, but we went a day early, and we took a taxi from the hotel because it was out a ways from the town, and um, we went to this lovely uh, wine-tasting restaurant and had a wonderful meal, very reasonable price, and a bottle of wine, of course, and then we had uh, we had other stuff, and at the end, they gave us a tasting of... Something. I, I, it was our
1: local liqueur. I yeah, local remember. liqueur. Yeah. So
0: anyway. They had oysters so, again. They were delicious. Yeah. So I didn't want to forget the Stellenbosch wine and bistro restaurant. So, so
1: after a day of driving, we ended up at, um, mm. so at a, at a um, our first stop, which was... Sousafle. Sousafle.
0: And it's part of the largest game park in Africa, the Nabib-Nokluft Park and it's over 19,000 square miles, and it's basically in the Namib Desert, which is the oldest desert (laughs) in the world. And what's really cool about this, uh, there's, like, Valley is a piece of it, and, um, but is the burnt orange color of the sand dunes, and it's just like a, I don't know, like a rift valley, but it went on with, for just miles and miles and miles as we traveled, and then we ended up getting off in uh, specialized like dune buggies that were a little bit bigger or four-wheel drive vehicles and then we, we further went back into the, uh, the dune country and it was just, just amazing. Uh, they're the highest sand dunes in the world uh, and some of them are over a thousand feet tall in this bright orange color and they change shape all the time because of the strong winds coming off the Atlantic Ocean.
1: Uh, which sure. i thought was interesting because you don't you don't the, you think the ocean is pretty far from there but I guess the winds carry pretty well and then at this resort was the first time we ever had sundowner which we had said before was one of our favorite things we <clears> enjoyed <throat> in Africa you go on an evening tour safari um when we met nibia that you didn't see a whole lot of wildlife and we saw you know things on the side of the road and stuff like that but you're not your like what you with well, the other like in South Africa where you see more elephants and things like that well, but there wasn't on. a lot
0: of trees. So it wasn't forest. It was deserty with mostly bush. And I think surprisingly, there's a a large number of of animals, reptiles that are there, but relatively few large animals because uh, there's not a lot of water. Nor a lot of food.
1: So we had the sundowner and it was, and that was, you see the sunset in the desert, just gorgeous. And then our, um, it was great fun to, to do that. And then the next day we went out and we did, um, some more driving and then we ended up at a lot of sand dunes, actually at a sand dune that's very famous. Um, it's called dune 40 mm-hmm. and it's a very large, uh, sand dune. Yeah. It's,
0: maybe the largest.
1: Yeah. And so Ken, and you have an opportunity to kind of climb up it, uh, uh, which I didn't. Ken climbed almost to the top. <laughs> it was hard coming down. I think wasn't well,
0: it? it? yeah, but the uh, it was so loose sand because you know the wind shifted around. Um, at first, it you know you put to the ridge of the sand dune. I was going up. You'd have a leg on either side, but it got soft on the right side for whatever reason, and I had fairly short boots on. So the sand was filling up my boots, which made it a lot more uncomfortable to go up. So yeah, yeah but it was very interesting and it's just beautiful. And of course, you know, you see your tracks up and down and uh, and the guide laughs, he says within a couple hours, because it got windy while we were there, he said, you won't see the tracks. The wind will, will completely blow them all away and cover them up. Very interesting. And then on that, that same trip that day, we went to see the uh, the ghost trees and uh, there's just certain areas where you know, uh, things change, the winds, you know, uh, block the moisture coming from the ocean, which is the predominant moisture they have here. And so there were forests, not forests, but trees, you know, and, uh, and they all died. And so you have this one expanse we had a hike to, um, eh, not too far, maybe a little over a mile, and then you went sort of down in a little hole, and there's all these trees down there and they're all dead and they're all twisted and they were pretty large. It was very, uh, very interesting. And then behind them were of course, more sand dunes.
1: It was also extremely hot. It's a very, no matter, I don't think no matter what time of year you go, um, be prepared for the heat uh, because it's really hot. Uh, We also met on this tour, um, a gentleman who um, has family that has lived there for generations. And he was originally, um, I think they were originally British I don't know. It was called the Bushman, and I'll yeah. put, we'll put the yeah. links in our in our podcast info. But uh, he um, came there and he lived there as a child. And then there was a real big boom in the area for a long time with um, uh, people raising small like animals like mink and lynx for their furs. And so there were all these these these, these British people that came there um, and had these these farms or. or factories if you will that produced this these animals and um for the fur trade well then when the fur trade went out of business uh all these a lot of people just literally walked off their farms they abandoned them because they had no money and nobody cared so they they walked off and so he um and his family bought up when i say lots of land i'm not um, i mean lots and lots and lots of land there
0: were mountains way off in the distance and he said i own this side of the mountain and we're looking at it, and it's like way, way out there.
1: And most of it is desolate. You, yeah. you, he doesn't do anything with it. He has a small little resort. Resort's kind of a generous term. A small little place where people can come and, and if you want to go tours up in, uh,
0: in cars or vehicles yeah. and spend the night. They're very basic.
1: Yeah, and it's got a pool, and you know they sell things and stuff like that. He and his wife, um, his wife actually was a was a tourist who came there, and I, they fell in love. And so she was originally. Oh, I think Japanese. I think she was originally from Japan. From Japan. So anyway, so he was very interesting. He talked about the history of the country and the history of um, the Bushmen, which is again he is um, he uses that term kind of um, as, a, as a as a as a nickname, but he is not a Bushman. There's a whole series. There's a whole tribe of people. Nama. That,
0: They're called Nama, and they were actually yellow people that were there originally.
1: That's what they call them. We're not being politically non-correct. They yeah. were called yellow people. Um, so anyway, but so they're, they're a tribe that has basically become non-existent or very few people because of society and you know, modern modern ways, they're they're no longer there. But so we would continue to drive in Nibia and it was really fun. We had a great time. Then we ended up on the coast, which was gorgeous, and the um, on New Year's Eve. The one thing about the coast is um, this is where you see a lot of the German influence. Uh, we stayed yeah. in a really nice uh, uh, hotel that you could tell it was it was again family had been from Germany originally. Schwackel. And it was um, the best pastries and the best breads I've had in a very long time. Uh, we spent New Year's Eve there. It was fun, uh, not too wild, not too wild and crazy but um it was, it was it was nice we enjoyed ourselves uh that's the seasons the oysters were in season
0: yes and so the next day uh, we stayed at the hotel two nights in swakam and um and the morning of the second day we signed up for a excursion and uh, they picked us up at the hotel and took us to Walvis Bay, which is the only deep water port in Namibia. And uh, it was actually, after Namibia got its independence, it was still part of South Africa for four years until the United Nations made them give it up. Uh, uh, Walvis Bay and the Penguin Islands and made it give them up because it, they said it wasn't theirs. But anyway, interesting tidbit. So we got on the boat, and it was, you know... Typical. Charter boat, you know, would hold, uh, I don't know, 20 people or so. It had a nice crew. And, uh, and we took out, going out to harbor. And I don't think we went more than 100 yards in a... In a, uh, a uh, Seal. A, a sea lion, a, a cape sea lion, jumped up on the back of the ship by the motor and started wandering up through the middle of the cabin to the front. And we're just like looking with big eyes and, and the crew laughed and said, he's here every day. We feed him fish. So they started giving him some fish. And then while we're watching the sea lion, um, we're, sit, we're sitting in the front and there was two girls from our, our uh, coach, our tour, sitting next to Giselle. <clears throat> and I got up to go over and look at the uh, sea lion. It was actually had jumped up on the, the seat and some lady was just with big eyes, kind of, it was half in her lap. This white pelican flies up to the boat and lands, and I mean literally, we have a picture, it's staring, this huge yellow beak staring Giselle right in the face. And just sitting there on the, the seat. And the same thing. They feed a fish. So it was guess, very
1: kind of nerve um, it was kind of like scary because Ken's like, turn around. I turn around and there's this beak <laughs> literally right next to my eye. I'm like, oh, you know, just keep it. And it's not a so. small
0: bird. I mean it's it's much I shouldn't say much bigger. It's probably a, a third or so bigger than our, our brown pelicans here yeah, in Florida. Yeah, they're huge.
1: Yeah, we'll put some photos. We've got yeah. a really good one of it catching a fish with Ken. So we had a lovely day. They had brought out the, the oysters and the champagne. And then we went and looked at um, Seal Island. I think they yeah, call it yeah. Seal Island.
0: And there was like...
1: Bazillions. Yeah,
0: thousands of these, these sea lions. And these are the only place they find them is in you know South Africa and Namibia, the southern part.
1: And they're pretty safe. They did say during um, some, time, some, some times, of the year, they will have sharks. You know, they food. They're, it's a food source. So we didn't see any sharks. So lots of dolphins. Lot of dolphins. But um, they, that is it, it was um uh, it is a time where you can't see sharks. Uh, that's where it was on New Year's Day. We spent our
0: anniversary. T- yep. Our 12
1: anniversary. years anniversary.
0: <laughs> and it was it was really a nice uh, uh, tour, and I would say it's wasn't very expensive. You know, uh, pretty much everything that we did in the, the four countries in South, African, South in South Africa, um, everything was pretty reasonable, uh, particularly uh, Botswana and Zimbabwe. They have serious unemployment problems there, and uh, things are. Very, very cheap.
1: One thing that we you will see if you go there, there's a lot of people on the road doing um selling uh, stones that are natural. There's some gore we bought some stones. They're really gorgeous I mean nothing. Semi fancy. precious Yeah, and if stones. you knew what you were doing with them, you probably can make a lovely piece of jewelry, but I don't, so they're just in my rock collection. Uh the thing that we that I think that the thing I wasn't crazy about or that I thought a little bit disheartening is you when you stop at a like a like we stopped at a grocery store, we stopped to get gas and those kinds of things they're kind of far and few between there is um people that have dressed themselves up um in the one of the from one of the local tribes they're not really from there but they dress themselves up to look like so they're painting themselves red that's with the clay and a lot of the women um are have no are, are, are rare bested and it, that's kind of what the culture is and it just to me I just and for five dollars you could take a picture with them I'm like just to me, I felt sad. I felt sorry for the people doing the, the, um, that are doing that. And then I felt, I wanted to tell the tourists, like, stop doing it. You know, let's find a better way. But again, um, we didn't take a photo with them, but that you'll, you'll see that around there. And that's, that's probably the poverty is at times can be, um, overwhelming. overwhelming. Um, so we did see some,
0: we, uh, we, we went, uh, one day inland fairly far. And, uh, you know some of the prehistoric uh, rock art um and it was a, a national park and um it, it was you know rock carvings and uh, where they you know the rock has turned dark and then they scratch out the um Form animal figure. There's dolphins. There's giraffes. The dolphin was
1: the weird one because they are like, "There's no ocean around here," but yeah. evidently one time there was. And yeah. they they're um, from different different types, different times of the of the century. So you see, some are very primitive, some are a little more detailed. But it was also a roadmap map. They said it was like people would come through and they were able to see, "Oh, this is where the giraffes are. This is where the lions might be." Uh, it was pretty fascinating. Uh, it was a really um, very detailed, and um, they had one that was a sea lion, which is like, that's weird. He was just, you know, again, who knew what was back in the days? So. But,
0: you know, we, we don't know who the people were because the Bushmen, you know, were what we talked about. They were the people there uh, up until, uh, I think, the mid-1600s or so when tribes from the north migrated south. Uh, but way back, you know, thousands of years ago, there were other prehistoric people there, and we don't really know much about them. But the the rock art that they did, uh, I thought, was ex- extremely detailed and well done. So, um, it, w- it was a nice little park. Um, it was hot; I mean, really hot because you're away from the ocean and uh, inland. And um, and then adjacent to that was uh, w- was uh, the finger. It was. Or- a- yeah,
1: it could like a male's appendage. Just FYI, yeah.
0: um, but it, it kind of looked like a hand with uh, sticking, you know, straight up, uh, you know, and with a middle finger going up at the top, and uh, or it could be, you know, a male appendage. But anyway, <laughs> there, there's two of them in Namibia, and uh, and they were used a lot as uh, way, way signs when people traveled because it's 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 so high and and, uh, and tall, you could see it from miles and miles around. Anyway, it was very interesting. It was an outcropping, basically, where the rock around it had, uh, had uh, eroded away. And, we, uh, s-
1: we did see some rhinoceros and a uh, lot of giraffe. Yeah. Uh, not, we didn't see any elephants. We were looking. We were hoping to see the desert elephants, desert and, elephants and, but yeah. they, were not, they were hiding. Uh, one thing that was interesting on this tour, um, one of the many things, was that we did go to um, the Cheetah Conservatory. And uh, that is, um, I think we've talked about her. She is an amazing, um, amazing person. And um, we went and, and went to her uh,
0: facility. Yeah. And uh, it's in the more in the north central part of the country. And we were on our way to our last stop, which is the Etosha National Park. And it did have more vegetation. So we did see you know, more, more large game animals there. But the Cheetah Conservancy... is you can look it up it's ccf cheetah conservancy foundation and uh they do just an amazing job and we could talk about it on a whole podcast we'll probably
1: do a podcast about it maybe we will because uh what she does is amazing
0: it's amazing so uh so anyway after that we we did we went on up to the atosha national park in the north and we actually weren't that far from angola at that point um and Angola's had a civil war going on for a long time, and I think it's it's stopped now, but the country's not considered very safe at this point. Although um, we have some friends who have have a relative or whatever that lives in Angola. So, you know, I think if you know your way around, you can probably go anywhere. So, um, And then after we left Atosha, um, we did a short drive uh, on gravel roads, and then we got on paved roads, and it was straight paved all the way back to Windhoek. And uh, boy, it was pleasurable not to have your teeth rattling like uh, (laughs) some of those uh, roads we'd been on earlier. In fact, down at Sousafle, we went to an area, a sub-area of the National Park called Cesareum, and it's a canyon carved, short canyon, but still interesting. And we climbed down in that, and... uh, it's carved out by water. Well, there's not much water, but when it does, it, it's created this this canyon. And uh, so we also did that down at the uh, Sousafle area. So it was, you know, for a country so big, we covered a lot of ground. There's, there's just, it's, it's a beautiful country. And on the ocean, we, we did stop. There was a ship uh, wrecked on the coast, and it's called the Skeleton Coast. And if you have a four-wheel drive vehicle or dune buggy type, you can drive up and down the coasters. Many, many, many shipwrecks uh, on the coast because it's so treacherous. And it's actually called the Skeleton Coast because what's left of most of the ships is their skeletons.
1: That was pretty interesting. We didn't yeah. go see them up close because they were yeah. they were far away, but yeah. they did talk about it. So, so that's Nibia, and if you ever have a chance or you're interested in going, I, we would strongly suggest that you take the time out of your trip to South Africa to see it because it would be it's well worth well worth your time. It's
0: probably one of the most unique countries we have been to,
1: and the people were so it was just a love. We had it. Was, we had no no negatives. People were kind, and it was easy to get around. And people most people. Spoke English, uh, at least the people we dealt with, yeah. and um, easy to. The one thing though, um, Wi-Fi. Uh, there's not much Wi-Fi. In fact, that's another yeah. place, one of the few places in the world that we had. If we could not use our T-Mobile, so yeah, it
0: was not a. So we could get use on it, t- but we had to pay yeah, for it extra. Yeah, so get
1: on that T-Mobile, yeah. uh, Tonga and Nibya. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so our end of our that was the end of the trip. So my tip of the day is um, about knowing your limits because I'm one to not realize that, oh, I didn't drink water, or I didn't eat breakfast, um, and it's really hot, I need to take a break, and lots of times we're enthralled on being at a location and a place, and so you, you tend, at least for me, I tend not to kind of listen to my body, if you will, and um, as I've gotten older, dare I say those words, um, that I've realized that I need to be aware of what works for me and what doesn't. I get overheated pretty easy and I start getting dizzy. So now I know I carry some electrolytes um, packets in, in my backpack. And I always have water and Ken is forever telling me to drink water because I don't and those are things that um, I have learned to become more aware of I make sure I have my sunscreen I make sure that if if I'm gonna be uncomfortable then I have you make sure there's a I can know where the restrooms may be etc so I think that you for me would be is like before you venture out on a day out and about that's out of your comfort zone take a minute to look and see and think about what you're gonna be doing during the day and pass or plan accordingly and I think a little bit planning um, will really help I I passed out in Nibia in the in the middle of a cavern and had I had my electric lights had my in my water had I drank enough water we would have been a better situation (laughs) so that's my tip of the day plan ahead and think about your limitations
0: mine's a quick one Um, if you're not in a country that takes uh, the euro or a first world country always have lots of one dollar bills with you Um, You know, it's to buy stuff, to tip people, to whatever. We took um, a lot of cash with us, American, you know, small bills, and we used a lot of it because the currencies in many of these countries are basically worthless, so... Uh, that's my tip of the day.
1: And if there's tourism, they're going to take a dollar. Yep. I mean, they may not take a fifty, but they'll take a dollar.
0: <laughs> they can always cash in in at a local bank for the local currency.
1: Well, thanks for yeah. listening. Sorry, it's been a while since our last podcast. We are getting ready to go on our next trip, so we'll start filling you in on those those details. We're really excited.
0: And yep. see you soon.
1: Thanks. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. hey hurry Travel. Travel.
0: Adventures.
1: Adventures.